Well, as was introduced, uh, my name is Andy and I am from the Gold Coast and uh, part of Glow Church there uh, in our, uh, as a family's pastor across our children's youth, young adults. And uh, I've got with me my eldest son, uh, Ryan, 14. I'm married 18 years and three sons. And uh, we actually are going to the snow tomorrow. So a bit of fun uh, tomorrow. So we're looking forward to that. Is there lots of kids in the room? Where are all the kids? Are we good? Are we focused? Are we good? Are we good? I'm going to go off script here. I'm going to preach to all you in a, in a moment just about that. But can I speak to the kids first? I didn't know they were going to be in the room and the kids passed a kick straight in and I need to talk to them. Why don't the kids all come to the front real quick? And, and the last one here, no, I won't do that. The first one here gets a prize. There, there it is. Do you like hot chocolates? I'm going to buy you a hot chocolate after church. You are first here. All right, let's talk to the kids first. Do you mind if I speak to them first? No? It's all good? How are your attention spans? Like, can you last five minutes while I talk to them? Hey, do you know, kids, in Matthew 14, there's a story and it's about um, Jesus and He comes walking on water. Who thinks that's pretty cool? That'd be pretty cool. You want to run on water? You want to run on water? Flying. Well, I think that's in the in the next book of the Bible, but we'll see how that one goes. But 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 Jesus was walking on the water. And do you know what? Just like your mind, I love the way. And this is why Jesus says, He said, Come to me like little children. The active imaginations. I think as adults, we often lose awe and wonder around God. We can get fixed in a box and we start to live out our lives around how we perceive God to be and we actually forget that we have to approach God with just awe and wonder. Just that imagination, I wanna fly. When was the last time you sat there thinking, I wanna fly? I wanna fly away, maybe. Okay, parents, I'm with you on that one. Um, but, but, but I wanna fly. But that awe and wonder is exactly what Peter did. Peter was there, he was one of the disciples and he said, hey, I want to come and walk on water too. He said, hey, Jesus, can I come and walk on water? If you were there, hands up of you would have said, can I walk on water? Well, you're, you're like Peter. You, but the other 11, they didn't. They're all just thinking, yeah, right, Peter, you're gonna walk on water, are you, mate? And sometimes we can start to um, forget that God can do incredible things. And I just wanna speak to you before I speak to your mums and dads that don't ever stop asking Jesus to do some incredible things. Can I come out and walk on the water with you? You see, we preach all about it, about incredible faith and then lasting faith and enduring faith, which that Scripture is all about. But what I wanna encourage all of you is always ask Jesus for incredible things. Can everyone say, ask Jesus? For incredible things. Why don't we pray for you guys? Lord, we thank you right now for all these kids. Why don't you stretch your hands out, church? Let's pray for them. We just pray that we never lose awe and wonder. We thank you, God, right now that we can ask you for incredible things and you call us out to walk alongside of you, to partner with you in miracles. So we pray that we would never lose the awe and wonder in Jesus' Name, Amen. What was your name? Eleanor is going to get a hot chocolate after the service. Do you guys want to sit there or are you going to go back to your parents? 
And all the parents said, stay there. All right, we're going to see how we go. You can all stay there. If you've got your packs, you can sit there. But I'm going to speak to your parents now. And I want to talk to you all about creating spiritual vibrancy. Um, in a recent study, it was, you can go back to your parents if you'd like. Look at that, I'm boring already. <laughs> There's something about being a kid's pastor you always have just, yeah, yes. <laughs> One faithful. You, uh, as a kid's pastor, you get very thick skin. You're preaching a message. You've prepared it all week. You know it's brilliant and no one's listening. There's a girl upside down on a chair and there's this and it's all good. I want to speak about spiritual vibrancy. And in a recent study, this wasn't a Christian study. It was a worldwide study in religion. It was looking at what are three components that create spiritual vibrancy. And I'd like to speak into this and bring it into, um, contextualise that into us uh, as Christians and within the church. And even online today, I'd, I'd love you to um, open your hearts to understand what these three pillars are that are going to really help us. The first of this is to have trust in an authoritative text. Now, we call this the Bible. I just referenced the Bible before, a book of Matthew 14, the story that took place. And right through the Bible, um, we see from the Old Testament through to the New Testament, those who have been in church a long time and those who haven't been in church for a long time, understanding that the Bible is an authoritative text, something that I base my life on. I didn't grow up in church. I did not grow up in children's ministry. I did not have a clue who Salty the Singing Hymn Book was. Those that you are laughing should be ashamed right now. It's some random kids ministry there. I, I Googled, I understand it. But the truth is, I wasn't, I didn't grow up in church. I became a Christian at 15. I got um, radically saved. I prayed a prayer one night in a community centre. God changed my life in a week and I'll serve you the rest of my life. And within one night, my life changed. The next day I went to a party. My friends were drinking. My friends were doing drugs. My friends were smoking. My friends were doing this. And I arrived and I desired nothing other than just to walk home. I didn't know what was happening. And as I looked, the stars were brighter. The sky was clearer. It sounds completely corny, but I knew that my life had been radically shifted and changed. And I believe even this morning as I'm speaking, that, that your life can be changed in that same way, in that instance. That, and, and I believe that, that my life was changed in that moment. And that's what, even through my hard times in life, and there's hard times, I can still look back to that moment of complete change. And from that moment, basing my life on an authoritative text of the Bible, I knew nothing about the Bible. I remember getting my level 27 New Testament Bible and I'm reading Matthew, I'm reading Mark, I'm reading Luke, I'm reading John. We, we go into the book of Acts and at the end of Acts, Paul goes off to Rome and I think we're gonna pick up the story in Rome with what's gonna happen. And then it all goes into weird, like he starts giving instructions. I was simple, I needed a storybook. And it changed in Romans, I went, oh no. And someone said, go to the Old Testament, you'll love the stories. So I went to the Old Testament and I started to learn. But from that age of 15, I consumed the Bible without knowing that this authoritative text was shaping my life. The second thing that forms spiritual formation as spiritual vibrancy is a faith community environment. That's what this is right here. A church, an environment, all of us coming together, that is the church. 
Now, I love the facilities. I love uh, the miracle in motion over the last 25 years here in Canberra and acquiring the school and, and all of what's happening here. This is the church, yes, but this is the church, us. We are the church. And so a faith community is the thing. Why I am still here are not because of the church at large. I'll give you their names his name is Andrew. He picked me up every week when I was 15 and drove me. He sat there and opened up the New Testament and explained things. He prayed for me, 17, 18. He told me at 18, that's a bad option. Don't date that girl. I'm so thankful for that advice. I, I married someone else. I've got names of people and that's the church as to why spiritual vibrancy has, has, has been able to flourish out of my life is because of an authoritative text, but the church, a faith community. If you're not in a connect group, if you're not uh, in active community, you get isolated. It's, it, it's just a, a fact of if you're trying to do it alone, it's just tougher. And so a faith community, the third part is a positive family experience. This is the point that we link together right now around our, our generational day that this um, positive family experience is the third leg on the stool or the table, you would say, in order to create spiritual vibrancy from kids through to youth into a generational um, mentality around church. It can't just be all things here at church and it can't just be all things at home. It has to be church and home and the Bible fused together. Now, I know that the last two years has been an absolute upheaval in our mindsets, our way of life completely changed. And, and I choose to believe that it's actually a, an opportunity, a moment for the capital C church for us to move into what God's best is to realign the church and family like never before. Let me explain why. I've been in children's ministry now for over 20 years. And in that time when I came in, um, I had no context of Sunday school, but in the early 2000s to 2010, we were emerging out of that Sunday school era to really create children's church as something where we have an experience that matches a Sunday here as what's there. So there's vibrant praise and worship. There's great preaching. There's small groups all contextualised on a Sunday. And that was great. In 2010, we then moved into this leadership space of where we're developing leaders and developing uh, uh, kids ministry wasn't just this ministry that was out there, youth ministry. And we've seen the church grow across our nation, especially within our movement, the ACC in that in the 2010 to 2020. But as we came to 2020, I would started speaking and prophetically just saying, I think we're coming into a season of when we're, we're gonna start to minister to the families, family ministry, coming back uh, in. And I know I'm not old enough to know that it's probably the way it was. Everything just goes in circles. But what we had done a lot of is come along and outsource faith formation to the church. I have to put my hand up as a parent and being guilty of that. We turn up, we sign our kids in and we go, please deal with them and teach them God. And we just do that. And then we send them to youth but we only have from the age of when the child is born through to graduation, probably about 40 hours a year to influence as a church. But there's 3,000 hours of influence that parents have. And, and this is why we need 
the church, and this is why we need the family to be centred around that authoritative text, working together in order to grow the children, the youth, and even ourselves in God in order for what God has to be passed on from one generation to the next. This is His heart. He's a generational God. He's a generation, you look in the, in the Old Testament, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is a generational God that wants to, and how we pass these, uh, these spiritual uh, concepts on really matters. And so, a founding text that you would have often heard around children's ministry is this, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old or when he is old, they will not depart from it. Give me a wave if you've heard this scripture before. We've heard it before. Of course we've heard it. And, and our mind instantly goes that we need to train our kids. We need to impart wisdom. We need to tell them, we need to instruct let me just pull this text apart a little bit because it actually has some um, confounding thoughts for not just the kids and just for the parents in this room. It can be for the young adults. It can be definitely for the grandparents, but it actually ministers to us also again. The word train up in the English means to teach a particular skill, uh, a type of behaviour through practice and instruction over a period of time. But in the Hebrew, this word Train means cornac, which means to dedicate. This is why I love this particular verse around child dedications. Because what we're actually doing is dedicating the child to the Lord. Just pause there for a moment. So train up. So dedicate the child to the Lord is probably more accurate than train up. So we need to dedicate them. We'll come back and explain it in a moment. In the way he should go in the Hebrew, it actually means according to the tenor of his way. Or according to the way that God purposed, according to the way that they were already designed or created. And so what we need to do is dedicate the children, dedicate the teenagers, dedicate ourselves again, according to the way that God originally designed us. And so if I was to rewrite that text um, in the Andy message version, it would sound like this, dedicate or consecrate your child to the service of God by drawing out of the child which God has already put in, so it becomes second nature to them. You see, what we are doing is not instructing by telling them, you must, you must, you must, you must. Who knows? You tell the child a thousand times, you must, and they still don't. Like, you do this, do this, can you, can you? And they just don't do it. And you're like, come on. Not Ryan, he's perfect. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure says the dishwasher that's probably still not unloaded when we were leaving, but that's okay. <laughs> but train up, dedicate or concentrate your God. Call out of your children what God has already put in there. Start to understand what He and the design that He's already created in you and start to live according to that. You see, by the age of five, we've learned 80% of what we know. By the age of eight or nine, we've had our emotional pattern patterns established. And by the age of 12, almost reversed, almost um, irreversible, we have our worldview established. And so um, by eight or nine, our emotional patterns are established. We start to react and respond. This is called the subconscious mind. The subconscious mind runs on autopilot. This is why you go to sleep at night, you wake up in the morning, you slept nine hours, but you go, I'm exhausted because you're emotions were running on autopilot. 
40 bits of data per second is what we think, but 40,000 bits of data subconsciously is what's running. Our emotions, our subconscious, our minds, and these patterns are established through those formative years of seven, eight, nine. And this is why we need to not conform to the pattern of this world, as Romans 12 says, but be transformed. We need to be transformed by the Word of God, transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit and transformed in what we're doing to change our mindsets or we stay back here held captive by the voices of when we were seven or eight or the experiences of of when we were seven or eight. Even right now, just start to think of those ways that you react, just the way your mum does, but you hate it. But you know, you know it. It's that moment when you say a dad joke that you never found funny when you were a child, but now you're saying as a father, because it's your right. I'll tell you the worst moment of my life was when I, I was one day telling a dad joke that I, I thought was hilarious because my kids were there, but my dad was there and I was ashamed that I was saying it. And so my kids are there going like this, shaking their head and my dad's there like on this side. And I'm wedged in the middle of confusion in life. It was quite a, a confusing moment. But what I'm doing is we, we repeat the patterns of behaviour in our life and we have to allow God to transform that. We, we need God to change those patterns. And we need to go back to the way that God created us so that the way He created us becomes second nature to us. That's what that text means. And so if we can train up a child or dedicate our children, dedicate our youth, and even take a moment within ourselves to be rededicating ourselves towards living the purposes of God daily, this is where we are surrendering our life to Him. So often, I know I love the Saviour Jesus, but the Lord Jesus I struggle with. What I mean is I love to be saved I, I, I love the whole, okay, take me out of all the problems, save me from over here. And then we land and he said, right, now let me be Lord. I wanna actually have, occupy that space, change some of those behaviours. Oh no, no, I don't like Lord Jesus. I just like Saviour Jesus. And, and, and I think that this is it to, to get both. He's our Lord and Saviour is when we're completely in surrender and allowing uh, Him to do a work in us so that we can be exactly what He first purposed us to be. I've lived those moments when I'm so far away from what God wants me to be doing because I've wrestled back control and become Lord of my own life again. One of the greatest things we can do to teach our young people and teach the children, teach the youth, and even what I was saying before to the kids is believing that there's a Jesus that we can call out to like in Matthew 14, a Jesus that we can step into miracles, a Jesus that we can go to in a time of need. And it's not just that Saviour, it's getting to that point that He then says, right, now let's, let's deal with those issues. Let's dig deep. Let's transform. Let's, let's, let's change some aspects. Now, how do we do this? Again, it comes back to those three aspects. The Word of God, this community, I'm so grateful for friends in my life, my connect group. They're gonna call me out on things in my life. I had someone at church the other day come to me in the morning, we were setting up, I'm walking around and they go, you doing all right? I said, yeah, I'm doing all right, why? They go, oh, you should tell your face. Okay. (laughs) You're just walking around with that frown and you're just intense and you're doing this. You know, that song, if you're happy and you know it, tell your face. You know, it's, 
not clap your hands and say, okay, okay, good. I'm so glad I had a friend who could tell me that. And that's the faith community in which they can come in the, in the good times, although a joke in that concept, but they can come and talk into our life. But then we can take that into our home and we can shape and create um, spiritual experiences. Let me give you some statistics just to, to show you what's happening in faith in the home at the moment. We'll pull this up on the screen here and, and I'll show you that right across the world in a worldwide study, how much we're bringing this into the home. You see, what we often do is we segregate the, the sacred to, to just our, um, the, the sacred and the secular. We go and live our life in the world and we go out here and we do our job and we go to uni, we go to school and, and we do all this part and we do family and we do sports pickups and we cook the meals and we're, whose turn is it? Who's shopping? And, and our life gets so full in these moments that we do the secular. So what we do is we separate it and then we come and do spiritual, which is called church. But as I showed at the beginning, what causes spiritual vibrancy is us doing this together, having the Word of God in all areas of our life, meditating on this. I'm not saying just reading, you know, at all day you're just reading the Word of God, but, but, but we have so much at our disposal, whether we're listening to a podcast, listening to the worship, whether we're just meditating on the Word of God throughout the day. It's these aspects, but it's also forging it and bringing it into the home. We'll bring that um, back up, but th th this is this alarms me never or rarely or occasionally, or if we just move to several times a month of prayer, of having spiritual conversations with our kids, having family devotion times, if we just narrow in on weekly or daily percentages, just to help us understand, just weekly uh, or daily prayer with children is 35%. I mean, 65% of families are not praying throughout the week. They're doing it monthly, occasionally, or not at all. And, and, and so how do we practically work this into a life? I'm not, I'm not asking us to do more. I'm saying to invite God into every area of our world. In, invite God in. So when we're driving to school every morning, we have a habit, we pray, we declare in the morning, and we pray, pray over our day. At nighttime, we pray, but the prayer has a different tone. It's thankfulness. So just before we go to bed, we get all the boys. And if one goes to bed early, our eight-year-old, we'll all pray first and we'll just be thankful. With them being thankful one night, we're saying, God, we're just thankful. And the first pray, we're thankful. And God, I'm thankful for this and the last one. Then the eight-year-old's going, I don't wanna pray tonight. So we're always praying. We're all, there's always something we can be thankful for. And so we've got our eyes closed and our heads bowed. I remember looking up at one moment, looking at Ryan and he's just going like this, like, come on, what's wrong with him? I said, come on, you gotta pray. And begrudgingly he goes, God, I'm thankful I can be thankful. <laughs> I paused for a moment because you wanna know, okay, is it teaching moment time or not? Amen, let's go to bed. <clears throat> I just took it as a win, that's fine. Sometimes take them as a win. But it's that discipline, it's that habit to, to be praying, to bring that into every area of our life. So often what we want is spiritual disciplines for our children in the future more than what we are doing now ourselves. That's challenging for me. 
I want my kids to see me reading my Bible. I want my kids to, to know that I'm worshipping. I want my kids to know that, that, that I involve God in every area of my life. And across those statistics, you'll see just reading with the Bible, having spiritual conversations. There's so many resources and things that you can use today, even on the YouVersion Bible. There's a, a new uh, aspect called the KBE or Kids Bible Experience. They're like TikTok stories aimed at seven to 11 year olds. And it's just simply on the version. you can flick on that and, uh, and just watch that and it creates conversations or questions that you can ask your kids. Why is this important? It's important because it's important to God. God is a God of generations. And I said it before, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He's a God that loves generations. And as we loop back to that verse or that text that I said before, it's not just about um, God uh, doing something for the next generation. We never graduate. We never get there. I had a pastor, Pastor Tom Whiting was his name. He's my first pastor. He was 80 when he was, when he was a pastor, my first pastor. And I said to him, Pastor Tom, you know so much about God. You know so much. Tell me, like, when do you stop learning? He said, I don't know. I'll let you know when I get there. And there's 80. And then 86, I remember still talking to him. And every day he's just reading the Bible and he's learning. And God is just showing him something different about him. And I think for us, the greatest gift that we can give to the next generation is to show them that we are constantly hungry. We are constantly curious. And we're looking to allow God to do something in our life in order for us to live out the way that He created I see so many of us stopping to live out dreams, stopping to live out. But what I do see is COVID has caused this moment. And I was going there a minute ago, but I think that it's caused a moment for us as a church to almost realign and get this right. Because all of a sudden in COVID, rather than you turning up and signing your kids into kids ministry, it was, I'm now the teacher. I'm the kids church leader. I'm the... I'm the everything, I'm the PT, I'm the, at home, we were doing everything. And it's this moment of where parents have come back to realign with activating their faith back in the home. We were forced to, well, that's a good thing. I actually prophetically see across the nation, the church shift from it not just being Sunday church, but Sunday and Monday church. You're already doing that brilliantly in the community, but what we can be doing as a family unit is looking at doing this. So here is my challenge today as I close to quite simply just think, what are three ways that you can just integrate some biblical habits into your family's life that are already part of what your world is already doing? I mentioned one before, when you're driving to school in the car, that's a time that we're gonna pray. Someone asked me, how many times should we be reading the Bible each week? I said, I don't know, more? Just, just more? What about Wednesday? Is Wednesday good for you each week? Let's just do every Wednesday. Maybe it's just trying to look at ways to read the Bible. Maybe it's as the kids get older, it's getting a particular book and saying, let's read this together. But I just want us now, if you're a parent in this place, if you're a grandparent in this place, I'd like you to think, just ways that you can integrate some faith formation and not just leaving a church to do, but to bring it into the home. 
If you're looking at me right now and you're like, I'm a young parent and I haven't got kids, or if you're a young adult or you're single, then this is where I wanna lean on with you. What are some of the habits that you're forming in your life now that are gonna take you into that season in the years to come? Because I can tell you now, it's not like you get there and suddenly go, okay, well, I better start. It's the habits that are already there that continue because you lose more time. It becomes more pressing. And so it's formulating those habits in your life. Why? Because we're to consecrate, dedicate ourselves to the Lord in order for us to live out what He has already put inside of us. I'd love to pray for you, church, this morning This, as I close. I wanna pray both that we as a collective church here, we would understand the importance around the generation ministries, around families, around taking the authoritative text of the Word of God, this faith community and bringing it into the home more, which is so important. I'm gonna pray over that. But I also wanna take a time to pray for those that may even online or in the room today that have never asked Jesus to come into your heart to be your Lord and Saviour. And for me, that's the shifting and the changing aspect at 15 that set me on a course to be living the life that I'm living now. Jesus made my life better. And He's just, what He did at that moment, I've got a brother, he's not yet in church. And he says to me, I don't know much about God, but I do know this, if you didn't find Him, you wouldn't be alive or you'd be in jail. 